You are listening to See Through Panel, a comic book discussion podcast. My name is Cole Harvey. I am here with Fahed Rahman. Hello, everyone. So today, I'm excited to be back, and I'm excited that we are talking about The Collected Topi, Volume 1, The Enchanted World, um, written and drawn by Sergio Topi, um, published by Magnetic Press. This book is fantastic. Before I get carried away, I'll just read you some info about it. Widely considered a master of graphic storytelling, Italian illustrator and author Sergio Topi brought a previously unimagined level of artistry to the practice of sequential storytelling. His work has influenced many of the industry's most celebrated creators, inspiring the medium with his dazzling and unique creative direction. His body of work covers a wide array of historical periods and a cultural settings, which he brought to life through extensive research and a sense of cinematic design. The first volume collects 11 short story tales, originally published as Black and Tans, Kroll, and A Minor God, and these are the first time those stories have been printed in English. So, just like high-level thoughts, Fahed, just quick intro, what did you think? I, so you know sometimes you, you think you're, um, you know, quite a lot about kind of um, something, and then you come across something that you've never, um, you've never encountered before. I'd never heard of Sergio Toppi, and it's just... Um, I just felt like a complete idiot. So thank you for um for for, for choosing this book because it's kind of like I was like oh, who's this Italian book and I've not heard of him. The artwork is outstanding. I mean, like really, like properly remarkable. Um, just kind of the just the level, you know, the the skill and the kind of you know the way he he's inked everything and you know it's a it's a black and white book but yeah it's just my top level thoughts is just kind of like the, the his artwork is just remarkable it's just it's, it's truly truly beautiful stuff to look at yeah i think this is on the is one of those comics you could put as fine art just because of the level the mastery this guy has of um i don't know how he worked or exactly his process but i it's it looks like it would take forever because he's got I mean, you have to look this up if you're listening to this and you haven't ever seen his art. Sergio Topi, look it up. He's He's got like these layers of patterning over everything that kind of yes, wouldn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense if you're looking at like a photo, but looking at it in this light with the, with the black and white contrasting, all the textures and the patterning looks so interesting. And you could just spend time looking at one panel forever. And um, I also love how it's set up into short stories. Because reading comics, uh, reading short stories and comics is one of my favorite ways of reading comics. I just love that format. Yeah, I think um, short, uh, short, um, short stories are de- definitely a format where um, comics can excel. I think we um, was having this, as, you know, last week's episode. I was talking to um, Joe Stone, and, and one of the things that came up is that a lot of creators when they're starting out, want to write a you know, 200 page epic. Um, and sometimes that's filled with a lot of nothing when you've got those, uh, when you've got stories like this, Sergio Toppi um, just crammed so much backstory, so much mythos, uh, so much emotion, so much character in every um, panel and every page that he draws. It's, and you know, a lot of these stories, you can, you know, there's a lot of stories um, in here which, you know, you could actually long them out and make them kind of uh, longer stories. I'm specifically thinking of the one where the man loses his name 
and then kind of the doll, uh, the story with the killer doll, you can kind of see how in someone else's hand that might have been kind of lengthened. But he just, you know, he does these um kind of short ideas, puts them down, plays them a little bit, and then kind of like walks away. I think it's, it's really well done. Yeah, I think he's not only a master uh, of the art here, but his storytelling is immaculate just the the length of these i think is always perfect i mean obviously like you said you want to see him go a little longer just because some of them have that potential but they're never dissatisfying in the ending uh, he's got this knack and the the back of the book that i was reading a second ago did say this it was correct wide array of historical periods and cultural settings that's pretty much what this is about so um the first book here is called the enchanted world and that's kind of um that's kind of a lot of different cultures and there's no exact category for that. But then after this in the collected topi, uh, it goes by continent, I believe. So the second book is called oh, North okay. America. Yeah. Yep. And the second book is just a bunch of North American various cultures. Cause there's a lot of cultures just in North America and he's just constantly exploring different settings, different. Everyone always is dressed differently. Like you could tell that they have the fashion from their culture. Even just their facial features are different. If a person is like, like in this, we see, I guess Kroll wouldn't be a good example because he's like a monster, but you can tell how he's good at manipulating um, faces to match like that setting, which I really, yes. really love. Um, he's, he's clearly kind of, he says he's a self-taught artist, I think in, in the bio that you, you read out, but this kind of, he's clearly studied kind of like classical art. Apologies if you can hear like um, a pan uh, banging downstairs. My niece is downstairs. Um, I think she's trying to cook something. She's only uh, uh, one year old. Sorry, if you can hear that in the background. Um, so he's clearly kind of studied fine art somewhere in terms of the way that he composes um, the shots and kind of his ability to kind of like capture capture faces. Um, he you know, there's lots of different style of um, sort of faces. There's the um, the for example the. Then, you know, the story that I previously mentioned, the man uh, who loses his name, that's kind of, he draws Westerners there and kind of um, Inuit people in that story as well. Mm, so it's yeah. kind of, yeah, that kind of, and there's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of professional artists, you know, working today don't aren't able to draw, than, draw more than one type of face. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of artists that it's just all their women look oh, the same, yeah. all their blokes look the same. So to have kind of, you know, these craggy faced um, characters in this, um, you know, each character in the story looks different. So, yeah. I always thought it was interesting in the Kroll story with the, the like basically the ogre that wants, that keeps having to eat kids, but he doesn't yeah. want to eat kids because he yeah. eats kids all the time. His wife, I think is the, is interesting because she has like almost no lines on her face. She's almost completely white. Yeah. Um, and everyone else in this book is like, detailed out to death where they're just you can see every individual line on their face i thought that was really interesting that he can pull both of them off and yes. still make them look completely fresh I thought that yeah was really and, nice. and kind of the, the wife kind of you look at it she's kind of superficial superficially kind of pretty looking but the the, the mouth is a little bit too wide and there's kind of this um i want to say almost told like aspect to oh, a yeah. to a feature yeah. as well I think, you know, it's the, 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 you know, just looking at the crawl story, one of the things that um, does run through the, so I think the theme of the book is kind of supernatural worlds or stories with kind of a supernatural 
hints yeah, to like, them. It's almost like mythology, kind of. Yeah. So um, one of the other things that I found running through the book was this kind of subtle, sort of wry humor in um, in some of the in some of the stories. In terms of you know um, the Kroll story, he's kind of you know is put upon ogre that's kind of living this life that's not really to his um suiting, and he kind of um goes crying home back home to uh to mummy um you know the next story is about the would you call it a hobgoblin or like a um, god gnome who is constantly yeah. wanting to, to to be something else and he goes on this long kind of um rant about you know if he's a human being he'd be kind of like this um dictator that would end up killing like a thousand people and it's just kind of like yeah i found that quite quite humorous as well so yeah yeah I, yeah i thought that story was quite funny it also but then it i can't tell if this uh the ending of that story with the little goblin is is serious or not because they said that he then does become a horrible leader who then ends up killing a bunch of people and it's real and i was like oh man that's a dark twist yeah but i also love in that story it looks like uh carvings the, yes. the drawings yeah that's beautiful yeah so i i found that a little bit ambiguous as well so I, I wasn't too sure if he was turned into a real person or if he'd been turned into um a carving so i found that a little bit strange and some of the stories do have kind of ambiguous endings which is fine when you've got um because i think that's kind of the the beautiful thing about um, the short story format is that you can kind of play with just an idea without having a firm idea of what the conclusion um, of the story is going to be. So um, the, you know, there's some that, you know, definitely have, you know, um, uh, definitive conclusions like the, the doll maker story kind of know what's going to happen to the doll maker at the, um, at the end of the story. Full, yeah. It doesn't have a full ending, but you kind of suspect what's, what's going to happen on that one. Yeah. And kind of um, the one about the seal as well. I felt that was kind of, you know, him getting shot at the end of that. That was, and the minor god one, I wasn't, I wasn't too sure. So that's the one where um, this god is narrating um, about this plan um, to take down or to get revenge on uh, someone who's not following his ways. I didn't really know what to make of that of that story i wasn't really sure what i was trying to kind of get at the final story i think it's the the minor god i'm not too sure if that's the final story might be let me check so i'm yeah that's the light that's the final story yeah so i'm reading um a digital version of this on comiXology um which you know kind of works fine it's on comiXology you've got the the hard copy is that correct I do. Yeah, I have a hardcover here. Okay, so how does that kind of that feel? What's the? It's very interesting um, production. This is like this is one of the. I have two of these. Um, the first and the second, and they're probably some of my favorite hardcovers I own, just because Magnetic Press does a super interesting kind of shape to them. They have rounded corners, and they kind of have. I don't know if you've ever had one, but there's a there's a hardcover kind of style that has like these squishy, like the kind of the front and back covers are kind of like really thick and they're kind of squishy and okay. it makes it like really comfortable to hold. It's a really nice hardcover without getting overly geeky into the quality of it. But yeah, yeah I, I think something like this, I would just, I would prefer to have in hardcover just because like, yeah. I see the blown up art. I don't have any way to digitally read something this size. Yes, I would. I was just kind of 
thinking that I'd really like to see the the original heart in um in a you know kind of a traditional print format because you know while you do get a certain depth of um feeling from reading the I can just imagine you can just lose yourself looking at a, a page of his artwork quite easily if you've got the the hard copy there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's also one thing about digital comics is I can get my eye as close to this book as I want. If I get my eye that close to my computer or my tablet, it's going to hurt. <laughs> so yes, yeah. I like to like, yeah, really look at the fine details on, on actual physical art. How did you, how did you come up? How did you come across the book? Um, I, I wish I remembered. So I probably bought this first one, um, close to a year ago. I think honestly, I was just looking for European comics and I was like, I've never read an Italian comic. So I looked up Italian illustrators, I think is honestly how I found it. I had a phase where I was just very exploratory through the different uh, types of European comics. And I think, yeah, I think I just ended up seeing his name and ordering this. So I don't think a lot of people know who he is, but I think, um, I mean, you can kind of see his influence through a lot of people. Like, yeah, yeah, like a lot. Bill Sienkiewicz does the intro on this. And uh, as soon as I read his name in this book, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he took so much influence from Sergio Toby. He's got that crazy abstract look that really fits in. To describe it, it's kind of it's not quite quite kind of Mobius um, uh, abstract in terms of like, you know, Mobius kind of really draws these weird, um, strange kind of sci fi images. I'm not, you know, I'm just going off um, the art I've got in front of. This is more kind of like um, fine art, but um, weird. If that may, I, I, I don't know how to yeah. describe it. It's kind of like there's definitely kind of um, a more fine um, art, um, art style to it, rather than with you know with Mobius stuff. It's kind of you can tell it's pop culture art. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mobius has those clean lines and those like bright colors, and then yeah. like this you get the black and white, and it's lines all over the place, They're just patterning and shading all over the place. It's nowhere. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just looking at like the clothing and the outfit and some of these panels, and it's 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 really remarkable. Kind of um, how he, you know, each each story almost takes place in a different culture. You've got the um, You've got this guy wearing this hunting outfit, um, the soldiers' outfits in uh, the black and tans. The black and tans. Yeah, the black yeah. and tans is is quite accurate. And then, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's really, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful, beautiful book, man. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, we can't do it justice over a podcast, but yeah, it is yeah, gorgeous. it's yeah. You had um, to pick one of these short stories. What do you think your favorite would be? So that's the question I was going to ask you. So I think, (laughs) I think it either, I think the two strongest stories are, um, are the doll maker and the, the, what was it called? The one where the, the man, I think it's called, I can't pronounce that. Uh, The impossible name. Yeah. Where he kind of loses his name because I just kind of like the there's lots of little relationships in that kind of you know that you know um the guy that loses his name with his wife and then kind of you know he's got this little um relationship with the the viking towards the end of the book so I kind of I kind of like those two stories well um, what about you which ones did you would you say kind of stood out for you 
I would say black and tans uh, early on. It's I think the second story. I yeah. love that one. It's quite short. And then the yeah, the one I don't know how to say it. Oran Guac or something where the man yes. loses his name. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really like I think that was probably the most complex. That was the most the one with the most ins and outs kind of um, less direct like A to B plot. Yeah. Do you, oh, do you think I felt um, which one did I feel was a little bit more complex than that i felt the so i felt the the one about the the, the one that i kind of struggled to understand what was going on the most was the one with the the the, the kind of like the the gnome on the toadstool because i couldn't quite figure out what happened towards the end so that's the one that i felt was like the most complex maybe it's just in terms of like he's also quite experimental in terms of is he you know is what he's imagining actually well he drinks the potion and then what happens after that is if that's actually real or if it's if he's just gone on a really bad trip what you know what you know whatever it is i don't know yeah i i never thought of that i considered i just kind of assumed that it was real and then all this happened either that or just yeah it was he was um imagining who he would be but then the kind of ending where um his uh servants or whoever they may have been are poisoning him is kind of just where the lesson lies i guess yeah that one that one was the hardest theme wise i think for me just because it's like if you're evil people will try to kill you i know there's something there i'm not seeing what it is yes yeah um and yeah you like the black and tan one i yeah i quite kind of like that one as well that's kind of nice little so the story's kind of range from horror shorts to kind of fables to there's not there's no i think the closest out and right out kind of like funny short is crawl um yeah. but even in that he's like kidnapping children and like bringing his wife to um <laughs> to cook up so it's, you know it's, it's a kind of um pretty have you do, do you have um number nine i think it's, that's what it's called in UK, so uh, it's an anthology of hour-long stories that the the BBC does. Was it called? I do not. Number nine. I don't think I've ever heard of this. I'm very TV interested now. Show. Uh, let me just make sure that's what it's called. Inside Number Nine. So, kind of a lot of these stories um, reminded me of what Inside Number Nine does. So, it's kind of um, it's sort of like um, the Twilight Zone but like British and a lot of these um, stories in here kind of would rem- reminded me of um, the sort of stories that they would tell on that show, kind of like, you know, these, you know, things with a, a twist in the tail at, at the end of them. So, yeah. Okay. I've never heard of that. That sounds very, I kind of also thought of, it's not exactly Twilight zone this book, but it has that same vibe where you don't get fully explained and then it kind of leaves you thinking, and I think the art kind of sets a very similar mysterious tone in a lot of those. Yeah. But yeah, I've never heard of that. I'll have to give that a look. Yeah, I don't know it's, if it's quite good. Common it's quite good. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's not there's not really a, a weak story in here. Kind of the, the you know we've we've talked about the artwork, the line work. Do you think his kind of his technique evolves at all through the story? Do you think he's kind of this is already him when he's kind of fully developing that at the height of his powers because uh, for me the major draw is is the artwork 
I think he comes in fully formed, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell because he's doing a different setting and a different kind of story every time. Yeah. So you can't really tell if he would do it the same as the last story or if he's got a whole new style. But I think he's probably he's coming in really strong. Um, I'd have to look at the second. I think, I think they're up to the third volume and there's going to be a fourth, if I'm not okay. mistaken. But um, I'm sure you could probably see some some progression out of him. Yeah. If he can get better. I don't know if he can get better or not. Yeah, there's um, what he does really well is he does the these kind of big one page or two page splashes um, superbly well, where it's kind of just these 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 massive images. His um, panel selection and you know the, the size of um, when he's kind of doing action sequences, for example, um, is also yeah. really really intelligent. And it'd be interesting. You know, the, the one thing I do have a, a question about is kind of the size of the speech bubbles as well, because a lot um, of dead space. There's a lot of dead. I don't know whether that's kind of because it's a, a translation or if that's kind of like an artistic. So maybe like the Italian, it took much more space in the, inside those speech bubbles. It'd be interesting to kind of see the original um, Italian to see how much space that they the speech bubbles took up. But yes, part of me thinks it was hand letter, not like the actual lettering, but the speech bubbles may have been hand lettered because in a lot of these, I don't know if it's easy to see on the digital, but in a lot of these, the lines bleed into the uh, speech bubbles or the narration boxes. Oh, okay. So unless that was just artificially done, or which I'm sure it could have been. Um, yeah. At least, at least the maybe not the words, but the bubbles I think may be in the original art. So maybe uh, that's just the size. Oh, okay. Okay. So then there's no so way of. And it, you know, he's he's working back in kind of like the the the, the 80s and the 90s, where in order to kind of do the um, do the lettering you know you'd have to kind of maybe kind of stick the the speech bubbles on top it's not like digitally like it is nowadays yeah. so maybe that's the reason why they've um they've 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 um kept it that way but yeah i mean most of the time it's it's not ob- ob- obtrusive it's not intrusive into your um into the, the into the reading experience no um I would agree. yeah and i think the you know we've, we've talked about um translations before how sometimes there's an odd turn of phrase i think the the translation work on this is um is excellent um who did the who did the translation we should give him a shout out that is a smart idea translation by jeremy melul m-e-l-l-o-u-l yeah i think jesse you did uh a fantastic fantastic job there so um yeah. Is there anything else much to kind of say about the books? I think we've kind of said, explored, you know, the the artwork, which is beautiful. You kind of talked about how each um, like landscape, like he's, he does landscapes so well. Someone who can do oh, landscapes wow. and characters and action and animals. <laughs> he's just yeah. kind of like, he does the, the entire gamut. It's kind of he's covered here he does um ships he does landscapes buildings animals different types of people and it's all i'm just looking at this um one page of the kind of like seal and he's kind of towering kind of like the seal god thing and it's kind of almost photo 
realistic with these kind of different um you can kind of see the um kind of lines in the um in the blubber there kind of you mentioned kind yeah. of the different pattern patterning in terms of like I mean, he does that a lot with the, the animals and the um and the landscapes as well there's kind of swirls and then cross hatches and kind of like little dots um yeah, yeah, i don't think he have... knows when he's done like texturing something which I yes. love because he like he'll just keep on putting patterns over the other patterns and stuff. I love that. Yeah, and usually I'm kind of I'm a little bit the the other way kind of. I like I tend to, to, to like um, cleaner artwork with um, maybe not as much detail, but with this, it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of the um, of the book that we did last time, the horror comic. What is it called? The Willows. Oh, the willows, yeah. The willows, where you know you looked at some of those panels, and it's just kind of so much detail, kind of like you know different creatures and um, uh, details in the um, in 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 the landscape, and it's it's almost the same thing here, but instead instead of um, you trying to figure out you know where where the creatures, it's just texture and um, depth, and it's just yeah, it's beautiful to look at. It is beautiful to look at. I think. I think we've said pretty much all we can say without having people look this up. Definitely yeah. look up anything that Toby has done. You yeah, can find his color stuff. I don't know if this is the cover and the back cover. I don't know if they're colored by him, but yeah. that, that gorgeous coloring. So I don't think there's a lot left to say. Any closing thoughts, really? Yeah, I um, I would say try and get a hard copy of it because you know the digital copy is fine, but I just I can imagine how much better it would be having a hard copy in, in, in your hands and just, you know, taking it all in because I'm reading on an iPad, which is fine. How big is, um, how big is the, how big is the book? I imagine it must be like a, I imagine it must be kind of quite kind of beefy. Um, it's pretty big. Sorry. I was facing my other shelf. Yeah. So I could compare the size. Um, it's a bit bigger than your standard hardcover. But, okay. Um, not terribly big, not like absolute size or anything, but it's, it does it justice. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a really high recommendation from from both of us. Oh yeah, couldn't recommend it more. And I'll do a quick I'll do the same thing I did last time. These books are out of stock in a lot of places. Go to the Magnetic Press website. That's the publisher uh where I when I checked about a week and a half, two weeks ago, they had copies there for the standard price, twenty five bucks. That's where you want to find it. That's the that's- easiest place. Yeah, it's a really high recommendation. We've got some exciting things coming up in over the next few weeks. There's um, a certain interview. I'm not too sure we're allowed to talk about yet. Um, that's going to be coming out in a few weeks' time. And then um, we might have some other interesting guests appearing on the podcast. I haven't decided which book I'm going to recommend for us to do next week. So keep um, an eye out on our social media for that one as well um guys please contribute to our tip jar need money to to buy these um comic books as well yeah also um we are now amazon associates so any link i will be going through all the old links in on both on youtube and the podcast um sites and any link to the books that we have reviewed uh will be changed so that anytime you buy from those links, uh, we will get a, a kickback from that. We're costing you nothing. Um, that's just one other way to support the show. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'll start doing that with this episode. Go back, do it retroactively. So 
that's great um guys thank you very much um yeah and please please keep keep listening we just want to you know keep the um keep the podcast going thanks guys oh yeah thanks guys